1: Nation, it's the Electric Factory live from the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the south side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on a Thursday. It is Ravens Week, and you know what that means. No more looking back. Mm-mm. We're looking ahead. Talk about it. And what lies ahead is that nasty purple <sighs> in Baltimore. And there's been a lot of talk, mozi about how it's different. Right? New cast of characters. How Ravens Steelers looks a lot different than before. Uh, Big Ben not playing. Joe Flacco off to Denver. Uh, a whole different cast of characters coming in for the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Antonio Brown gone. Lev Bell gone. Terrell Suggs gone. A-, a lot of changing of the guard of some of the names we've been used to in this rivalry. But at the same time, right? Two head coaches, two GMs, two owners, two organizations. Who know each other very well,
2: very well, man, absolutely.
1: So, so uh, there's been a lot of talk, right, about how it's different than before, but at the same time, it, as long as it's Harbaugh, as long as it's Tomlin, and, and and you know, kind of a lot of the the front office and the ownership and the general managers, all this, all the same. I still think it's it's we haven't turned over as much of a leaf as some people are alluding to this week.
2: All I'm gonna say is this, ladies and gentlemen: when we talk about this rivalry. Regardless of the new characters that are here, it's a different animal, yet the same beast.
3: Right. That's what it is.
2: Right. I mean, you still have, like you said, they're purple. Oh, oh. 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 And I'm a purple yeah. guy, but not that purple. That's Raven purple. That's yeah, you wild. like that
1: JMU purple.
2: Absolutely. It's royalty. It's a little different. Now, when we talk about that rivalry, man, we just, it starts, like you said, man, with the coaches. I mean, just Harbaugh, Coach Tomlin the amount of time, the amount of epic battles they've both been a part of amongst each other, both in regular season, prime time, and playoffs. Mm
1: -hmm. And every level of the playoffs, too. Absolutely. Divisional rounds, AFC championship games. Wild
2: card rounds. Like, everything that's been associated with those two in these games is what makes it still that big rivalry. I mean, that's taken away – the the different players that we've seen, and when you talked about Terrell Suggs, we talked about Troy Polamalu, when we talk about a Debo, even yeah, going back you know further, I mean, like, Hines Ward and Ed Reed, absolutely, like just taking away the player element of it, the coaches are still there, ownership is still there,
1: and they know each other really well.
2: <laughs> absolutely, man. Like from a GM standpoint, like they are very familiar with the personnel. Like when they're constructing their roster, they're saying, hey.
1: How do we beat these guys?
2: These, these guys right here can beat Pittsburgh. Yes. Or these guys right here can beat Baltimore.
1: Oh, without a doubt. And I think the only – there's one story I can tell you that proves that perfectly. A draft night would have been, what, 2017, I think, if I'm doing the math correctly, when the Ravens traded back into the end of the first round mm-hmm. to go up and, and grab Lamar Jackson at yeah. the end of that first round. Uh, Kevin Colbert and Coach Tomlin were doing their – available you know they had right. they had just picked a few picks earlier they were doing their you know post first round pick press conference if you will when right up on the screen flashes Ravens moving up Ravens trade in Ravens select Lamar Jackson and, and there was a look between Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert and I'm not saying that, uh. that look meant oh they were hoping he would fall and they could draft him right I'm saying that look meant Oh, man, we really didn't want this guy to end up in our division and right. have to see this guy foreseeably for the next 10, 15 years. Now
2: we got to figure this animal out. Absolutely.
1: Right. It's really – it's almost like you feel like every time one of them makes an addition, right, whether it be in the draft or in free agency, the other group is kind of like, all right, well, look what they just did. How can, how can, we, we, combat how can that? we combat this? Absolutely. And there have been a lot of new additions too. Like we suck. there's still the continuity there. There's still the history there, particularly between the head coaches and the organization's. But you have had a lot of additions. Earl Thomas, Mark Ingram for the Ravens. Uh, On the Steelers' side of things, obviously, Stephen Nelson, Mark Barron. uh, Going up the draft, Devin Bush with your first Mm -hmm. top ten pick on defense since Rod Woodson in 1987. I I still think particularly now with all the things that are on the line and with the Steelers getting a big win, which is kind of rejuvenating them, right? Definitely did. And the Ravens getting thumped at home, kind of ticking them off. I still think it's going to look a lot like while the cast of characters is going to be different, it's still going to look a lot like Steelers-Ravens on Sunday at Heinz Field.
2: Absolutely. And I think, I mean, this is one of the beauties of just sports in general. When you're part of a team, team sports, that rivalry is passed down. I mean, when I first came here, not fully understanding the magnitude of it, not fully understanding the energy and, and the history of it. You talk with the older players. I remember uh, Lawrence Timmons was the one who was really like schooling me up on it. Mm-hmm. And then after that, James Harrison, he was the one who started talking to me about it even more so to let me know the magnitude of it. Then you just hear the tone when Coach Tomlin enters for that Wednesday morning team meeting. I mean, it's just a different vibe. And – I think that's why when you see a robbery like this sustained for so many years, when you see a rivalry like this stay heated for so many years, is due to that, the trickle down effect. I'm sure Vince Williams is in there telling Devin Bush, hey man, we don't like those people. We don't like anything about them. I don't how not like felt that about Ohio per- State? I, absolutely. This that's is how our Ohio State. Guys. Yep. Absolutely. And, and it passes down. they in, in Baltimore. They're doing the same things. They're educating Lamar. Jackson, they're educating all these other guys. The that, new guys. are oh, H- uh, Hollywood, Hollywood, Hollywood Brown, they're educating Brown. them on it. Yep. Like, hey, man, this is that game. Like, if there's one game that, hey, we could be
1: – We, we could have
2: the worst season ever, not win a game. As long as we beat them, everything is fine. This is that game. And when you talk about that within the organization, when you talk about that within the the players on this roster, that's why you're able to still get excited for this. And as a fan, you love it. As a fan, you love being able to just say, you know what, man, we're watching the Ravens and Steelers play this week, and it's going to be insane.
1: And who better to get us ready for Ravens week to help set the stage?
2: He's talking about the one and only.
1: Good friend of the show, Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He joins us next Brian for a deep dive into all things Steelers-Ravens. Keep it right here. It's Euler and Motes on a Thursday inside the Electric Factory on Steelers Nation Radio. The Pulse of Steelers Nation.
0: This is Kevin Colbert of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you're listening to Steelers Nation Radio. Brian Backo,
1: team player. Another guy that you wrote about, team player, Ben Roethlisberger. Was it really a big deal having him on the sideline against the Bengals?
4: I don't know if it's a big deal. I mean, Mike Tomlin kind of dismissed that question when he was asked about it on Tuesday at his weekly press conference. I mean, the the interesting thing will be, I I think Mason Rudolph probably got asked about that today. After practice and, you know, I guess Ben's comments to to Ron Cook uh, over the weekend, uh, or I guess after the game Monday night, were basically, I'll help Mason as much as he wants to be helped. If he wants me to be in his ear constantly, I'll do it. If he wants me to be hands-off, I'll do that too. So, only Mason can really know deep down what he wants out of, of number seven in terms of being his his guide, his Sherpa, his mentor this year, because let's just not beat around the bush. It's kind of an awkward situation a little bit when you figure Mason's trying to play as well as he can. But I don't know that there's a whole lot he can do personally or, or for the team that's going to you know, prevent Ben Roethlisberger from getting this job back in 2020.
2: Yeah, very true. And, I mean, the dynamic has to be different for Mason as well, because you remember, was it a year ago? where Ben was essentially saying that Mason Mm -hmm. could learn it on his own, man. He'll point to the playbook and say, figure it out. So for him, I mean, that definitely is a unique dynamic. But I think that goes to the part of when it comes to this sport, this team sport, you do have to be humble in terms of don't let whatever that current situation is affect something down the line. And right here, Mason could easily shun him away and be like, you know, I don't want your help now that, you know, you're offering it to me because you're not able to play right now. But I do think when you talk about Ben's wealth of knowledge in terms of what he's seen, his ability, I do think that will play a role in his development. Now, what I want to know is because, you know, you're down there, right? You you, you get all the juicy information. <laughs> My man Ben had the headset on with the microphone included. Was he involved in any of these play calls, in your opinion?
4: I don't think so. I think, especially when you look at the game plan that Randy Feitner brought in there, it doesn't doesn't really strike me as... A plan that Ben Roethlisberger would, would want to utilize <laughs> if he was the guy under center. But you know, you, maybe, don't,
1: you don't think Ben wants to line, line up a wideout? I don't he think so. Not he want to split He's not. Out I, I
4: don't think so. I bet you he would tell you he'd be all for it. <laughs> I don't know what quarterback would actually want to do that. Uh, I, maybe he can be more valuable in that role this week, playing the Ravens, a team that uh, he has tons of experience Absolutely. facing. Over the years, I mean, John Harbaugh's been there. It's not like you're, you're facing the Bengals with a new first-year head coach. You don't really know what the deal is with them. and Plus, let's just be honest, they're, they're not very good. But in terms of the Ravens, they are a lot better on defense. And if you're Ben, you, you've been facing this um, you know, general scheme under John Harbaugh for a long time, and, and maybe you can get into Mason's ear a little bit because the more that opposing teams see the film on him, uh, they're, they're not going to let the Steelers beat them with the Wildcat or any other kind of gimmick, uh, short passes extension of the run game at some point teams are going to say all right let's make this guy beat us down the field and maybe that'll be as soon as this week
1: there's been a lot of discussion this week after Monday night and when people started to look ahead to the Ravens about how it's a little different this time around new cast of characters for both teams a lot of big names now gone or on the injured list uh, some big free agent acquisitions on both sides some some you know high profile draft picks in, in the Steelers case does it still feel like Ravens week in the locker room around the facility at practice do you still notice that ramped up intensity even though the the cast of characters may be different
4: well first Ravens week for me too as a reporter covering this team but I don't get the sense that this week feels much different down below us here than the past four weeks have felt it at least from me I mean talk about the biggest rivalries for the Steelers as a franchise and and certainly could argue that the Ravens are there but you could argue that the Patriots are right there too I mean there's not that guaranteed built-in two games a year with them but when you talk about uh, an organization that's constantly the measuring stick and and you look at the historical significance now of of them being the only other team with six Super Bowls uh, I think you could argue that that was you know just as intense uh, an environment going into the season opener than it is right now To, to me the sense I get the read I get from the players down in that locker room is just that look Hey, we're happy we got off the schneid, beat the Bengals to, to get one win on the season, but we're still sitting here at 1-3. and three. We, we can't get too bogged down and too concerned with who's on the other side. Obviously, it carries a lot of weight because of the divisional matchup, because of the standings right now. You can get right back into it, but at the same time, I feel like the, the mentality down there is if it were the Ravens across from us, if it were the Dolphins across from us, if it were the Falcons across from us, we got to play the same way, bring the same intensity. So, yeah, there' a lot of new faces in this rivalry, of course, on both sides, and I, I think that team's more just concerned about, as they always say, trying to stack a couple wins.
2: Now, when we look at the way the defense has been able to create turnovers, right? You saw it in San Fran. Granted, we talked about how some of those were gift wrap with the yeah. beautiful bow on them, but they still had the two that they did force, and then you see them force a couple versus Cincinnati. Do you think this defense is to the point now where they're able to sustain that going forward? We can expect a one-to-two-plus turnover game from them.
4: It's certainly encouraging. Uh, I, I do think that there's, you know, real momentum developing on this defense. You, you've seen it really since the injection of Minka Fitzpatrick into the mix, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, you, you barely noticed him Monday night, and I think that's a good thing because he was absolutely. just absolutely shutting down the deep balls uh, that the Bengals really like to throw. And you know, I, I think probably the best splash play, best takeaway for the Steelers of the season Came uh, at a huge crucial time in that game, and Bud Dupree getting around mm-hmm. the left end. And, and that was, I think, according to NFL Next Gen Stats, tied for the third fastest sack like 2. of the 4 season. Wow. 2.4. Yeah. Is that something you guys looked at at all as players, Moats? I mean, did you, like, <sighs> you, were you guys tied much hey, into the – Hey, we asked the questions here. <laughs> Moats loves it when I flip it on. <laughs> I, and I, ask do, him I questions.
2: do, Well, I'll say this you necessarily don't look to see what the league averages for fastest yeah. sack, but you are aware of which quarterbacks have the fastest release points. Um, for us, we realized, I think it was Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, for a while, they had like, even though the perception was, oh, they hold the ball, they'll Mm -hmm. extend the play, when you did the average, they were getting it out, and it was like 2.7 or 2.8 seconds. We would say, that's crazy. You could come free and still barely make it there.
4: Yeah, we got to get home real quick against these guys. And Bud Dupree did get home real quick on that one, and and that's how he was able to punch the ball away from Andy Dalton. And to me, you know, whether, whether you want to say that was a spark or ignited something, it certainly set the tone defensively yeah. for the rest of the game because they were knocking on the door, and that just ended that threat right quick.
2: And as a pass rusher, I feel like that was his best game that we've seen for him this season. I, he beat the drum when uh, Andre Smith, man, he had him spinning. Poor Andre Smith. Yeah, bowling him, yeah. running around him. I was like, he was oh, in man. an arm
4: brace by the end of the yeah. game. <laughs> Maybe that was one of those old, ah, you know what? My arm hurts, uh, Coach. Hey, hey. Coach, I need a sub. Now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I am hurt, Coach. Yeah. Tap in the hurt. helmet. I need out of here. <laughs> uh, uh,
1: big game, too, for the interior linebackers, Devin Bush, Mark Barron, and they're going to need that per- type of performance again against this run-heavy Ravens team this weekend, aren't they?
4: No doubt. And and not only that, but they're going to need to guard a, a couple of good tight ends once again. I mean, Mark Andrews is is the guy for them. He's been a pretty pretty good part of that offense thus far, but they've got other you know, dudes with pedigree uh, at the tight end spot, too. Hayden Hurst, former Pirates minor leaguer, by the way. Fun no way. Play. Look wow. at you. You guys know okay, that? Okay, okay.
2: I do now. <laughs> I do now. <laughs> I do now. Um,
4: I mean, yeah, he was he was a first-round pick, I, I think. So uh, he's he's a good player for them, too. Not as productive as Andrews, but got to think they'll run some of those two tight end sets and and whether that's paving the way for Mark Ingram to, to play some bully ball against the Steelers' defense or uh, maybe a little play action and, and over the top to one of those two guys the same way that uh, the, the Steelers got beat over the middle by Will Disley and George Kittle. Uh, there, there's a lot of different ways that this Ravens offense could attack the Steelers, and obviously the Steelers aren't going to give away their game plan when we talk to Keith Butler after practice this afternoon, but I think you got to disguise some things, throw some different looks at Lamar Jackson, try to confuse him. This is the first you know, relatively inexperienced quarterback that they've played this season. You don't have the same luxury of, of you know, you're not going to trick Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, even Andy Dalton, the, the way that maybe you can, Lamar Jackson.
1: Brian Bacco of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette with us here. I'll talk a little offense with you, okay. obviously. Uh, Moats and I had some discussion yesterday on the show about finding a way to win versus finding an identity, right? With the offense, do you think it's just going to be an, an ever evolving, almost like a Rubik's Cube, trying to change to find the right formula from week to week? Or do you think this gimmicky – that word has been used so much this week, but these outside-of-the-box ideas are going to be something that we're going to see continue to be a big part of the offensive scheme going forward?
4: I think it's more of the former. I think what we know about Randy Feetner so far is that he really likes to put together a specific game plan going into a given week, and I think that was true with Ben Roethlisberger and is going to be especially true with someone with much less experience in Mason Rudolph. I mean, certainly every team in the NFL or in college football or in high school football would love to establish an identity for themselves offensively. But when you've got as many moving parts and as many new guys in different roles as the Steelers have this year from quarterback, which was unexpected the whole offseason that you prepared. Yep. To uh, the receiving core, obviously. I mean, jury's still out on a lot of those guys, don't get me wrong. Yeah. To um, even the tight end tight position. Ends. I mean, Mike yeah. Tomlin was, you know, really didn't mince words talking about that group on on Tuesday, saying we're in a really fragile state. Uh, I mean, Vance McDonald, we don't know if, if he's going to be able to play yeah. this week. I thought Nick Vanette, early returns on him pretty good in, in terms of contributing and, and being a helpful uh, addition to this offense, but... Uh, there there's just so much unknown still and going into week five that I think the best course of action here is, is for Randy Feetner to, you know, re- really game plan, really scheme things and, and try to catch each opponent off guard.
2: And speaking of I know we keep talking about the whole identity thing. Why is that so important right now? I feel like winning. I mean when you start out 0 and three, winning should be the only thing that really matters. Like I don't care if you're you're running the, the veer option, the wing T just. Wishbone. You know, just finding
4: a way to win. I mean, that's a good point. Like, look at the Patriots. Uh, what's their yeah, identity? Their off identity. Whatever it needs to their be. Their identity yes. is
1: attacking a defense's Their weakness. identity is
4: winning. I mean, sometimes – like, they're famous for – you know, anyone who plays fantasy football knows – Different running back can right. yeah. every single game. When you're the Patriots. You, you saw that uh, last year. Last the year Super Bowl last run, they, they, they the lost to, to the
1: Steelers. And predominantly running the ball. Yeah, what? Right. Fourteen weeks into the season. Absolutely. And look at them
4: now. They've gone four weeks with you know basically me and Wes at tight end for them, yeah. and they're still winning games. So they you know if they, if it means more three or four receiver sets, if it means power football the way that they they got to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl last year. You know they'll they'll do whatever it takes, and I'm not saying the Steelers are suddenly going to click and become the Patriots offense. Because remember, the guys in Foxborough still have Tom Brady calling right. the shots at the end of the day. But it's still, I think it's it's a good nod to to Motz's point that maybe the identity thing is is overrated. It's good for long term success. Don't get Correct. me wrong. And it's it's a positive of the team coming in here Sunday, the Ravens. Um, but at the same time, you got to be nimble, you got to be flexible, and and figure out a way to, to beat the dude that's on your schedule that week.
2: Yeah, and that, I think that's what I'm hitting to the most. If it's a regular year where you have your franchise quarterback, where you have all your pieces, with it, then sure you have an identity. But this team was in a crisis. Let's be real about it. You lose your franchise quarterback. You you're dropping tight ends. You're dropping safeties. You're bringing in different guys from trades, whatever
4: it may be. James Conner was stuck in the you know, mud. So, <laughs> the old line couldn't get going.
2: Absolutely. So for it to be, oh, you need to have an identity right now. That's I don't feel like that's realistic. You're you're putting a. a not a hodgepodge group of guys together, but you're just mixing and matching and on the fly in two to three weeks, like, hey, what's your identity now. Like, I'm sure these coaches don't even know if all these guys are fully capable of yet. We don't even know from, uh, from even Juju's standpoint right now. What, it, what can he do being the true number one guy? We still haven't seen that yet. Is Deontay Johnson for real or not? We still are trying to see that. So that's why I'm always just like, why? Why is it that we have to? label it right now. Just let it be organic. Just let it be whatever it's going to take for them to be successful. That's kind of how I look at it.
4: I think like, one, like the Beatles saying, let it be. Let yeah, it just be. let it be. <laughs> just let it be, baby. Uh, one of the things that
1: I think they can, however they scheme it, whatever it looks like, is it fair, Brian, that we should expect Jalen Samuels to be a, a bigger part of this offense going forward?
4: I don't see why not. I mean, he was just too too productive, too dynamic last week to, to absolutely – um, you know not involve him a ton i mean you're i don't think anyone's worried that they're gonna phase him out but i, I was even saying before the year I, I think you need to deviate a little bit from your normal plan with your running backs and don't run james Conner till the wheels fall off so to speak Get, have a better carry share than you've had in the past because i think you you finally have a, a small enough gap between your top one and two guys to do that um, and, and at this point i mean maybe you'll you'll see less and less of Benny Snell, but I still think he can give you some pop here and there between the tackles. So got have uh, got to keep feeding Jalen Samuels to an extent. And, uh, you know, you look at what the Browns were able to do against this Ravens defense. I mean, Nick Chubb just completely eviscerated them. And, and I'm not saying James Conner is going to go out there and have the same kind of game Nick Chubb just had, but obviously they're susceptible to, to being able to put your head down and run right at them. Yeah, and the thing, too, when
2: you watch that, that Browns game – they had to stay committed to the run. It wasn't like – I mean, everybody sees the highlight of Nick Chubb running with it's like, 90-yard like yeah. touchdown. That happened late in the game. The majority of his runs were – I mean, there were decent runs, but it was just a focus and a, a commitment that the Browns had to stay with the run. And I think that's what the Steelers are going to need to do as well because we've seen it multiple times this year now where James has 14 carries and that's it. And you're like, man, they really abandoned it. They really became one-dimensional but i think when we saw them on monday night they were committed to the run and i think they need to do that again but i guess my question to you is this after seeing Jalen's success and we do agree that he was the more productive back in terms of what he was doing in terms of his role do, do you can you see him emerging to be the guy at quarterback no, 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 not a quarterback, <laughs> man. Stop that. <laughs> Did you
4: see his college throws?
2: Hey, hey He's man. He dropped Listen. a couple dimes. In Listen, NBA. man, I'm, yeah. not, hey, I'm not buying the quarterback hype <laughs> just yet. Slow down, my I'm friend. I'm ready
4: to see him throw on Sunday. Um, no, I'm not ready to to ignite a, a running back controversy okay. on this team. I mean, that that stuff is also going to kind of naturally play out you right. know, toward the the rest of this year, but also in the offseason. I mean, James Conner is you know in his third year, and, and next year will be the final year. Of his rookie deal so I mean push comes to shove we'll, we'll learn a lot about how they feel about that position mm-hmm. just kind of organically in time but right now I, I still think Connor's your number one guy especially as long as he continues to get the ball security issues hemmed up and uh, still a, a role though for Jalen Samuels I mean tons of teams around the league use two guys and, yeah. and spread the ball around and, and maybe have one true workhorse and the other guy keep teams off guard and and I think you you know I've been kind of saying this if if you're Randy Feetner Got to get creative. He certainly did that. Got to get more opportunities for your best 5 skill players on the field at any given time, regardless of position. He certainly found a way to do that, and uh, now it's going to be kind of adjusting on the fly as other teams adjust to you. You, you can't imagine that the Ravens will be caught off guard by this Wildcat formation, unless, like I said, Jalen Samuels starts airing that thing out. Start throwing it,
2: it, man. Spread a Wildcat, then motion out the five wide, let Jalen go to work.
4: (laughs) Mason Rudolph did not run a route, so I I, I think they've got that in their back pocket. I watched Super Bowl 40, guys. The best
1: best throw-all game in Super Bowl 40 came from a wide receiver, Antoine Randall. Hell yeah. Crazier things have happened. A couple more here with Brian Bakko of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Uh, this is something we asked you last week, and it's the most cliched radio question.
4: All right, I'll just say the same thing. I'm not a flip-flopper. There we go. All <laughs> uh,
1: right. <laughs> is this still maybe in the broader scope of the AFC North and how there's not a team above 500 and how, heck, even if the Steelers lost this game, it's it's they'd be, what, two games out of division lead. But is it still a must win on Sunday against Baltimore?
4: Um, I'm going to say, yeah. I'm going to say – If you drop this game, it's going to be tough to to battle back because I I still think the Browns are really talented. And obviously, if if they don't win this one on Sunday, the Ravens did a lot of things right. And the next time you play them is going to have to be on the road uh, down in Baltimore. So, you know, I think it's a must win in the sense that realistically, and and maybe people are already saying realistically, this this Steelers season isn't going to result in the ultimate goal of of getting to the postseason and, and making a run. But. Uh, the writing's going to be on the wall a little bit if, if you're sitting there at 1 and 4 and I know you still have got some you know quote unquote gimmies on the schedule in, in Miami and the Jets and maybe the Cardinals and got to think the Bengals, the Bengals again the after what we time. saw yeah. Monday night but uh yeah I'll, I'll I'll say it's must win for sure all
1: right then you know the follow up you're 3 and 1 so far on the show this year with your predictions all right
4: come on man i had the Steelers covering last week too uh didn't Rolling. have didn't have them winning by 24 but what are you going to do um <laughs> I I think I like the Ravens in this one. I do. I I still think that they're just a little more of a complete team. They're they're still not, you know, we haven't seen enough from Mason Rudolph for me to really feel good about taking the Steelers in this game. When I I was going to
2: ask you, you say you haven't seen enough from Mason. Have you seen enough from Lamar Jackson though?
4: I think I have. I I think Lamar is legit. He's been a lot better this season than than I expected he would be. I think he'll make some big plays both with his arm and, and with his feet and I'll go Ravens 28-21 in this one. Okay. I think it'll be a good game. Good classic Ravens-Steelers battle, but I've got the Ravens coming out on top. All right, now you heard those Brian Batco. Just
2: for the record, guys, it was Brian Batco. That's our buddy Brian Batco.
1: <laughs> Direct your anger on Twitter, at Brian Batco. You can it, find him there. I got a question, man. How
2: many times have you picked the Steelers to win
4: yet? Two. Okay. Uh, niners and Bengals. Okay. So right. let check. They're actually, yeah, they're, they're, they're doing worse than I've projected ah. for them. So – I guess we'll see this week, though.
1: Direct all angry tweets yes. to at Brian Backo <laughs> on Twitter.com. Thanks for your time, as always, buddy. Find Absolutely. his work in the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. He hasn't changed his number since the seventh grade. That's right. Good wow. friend of the show, Brian Backo. When we come back here, <laughs> yes. we got some more to uh, to talk about, Mozi and I do, in regards to John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin. We'll get into that when we return. It's Euler and Mots on SNR. This
0: is where Steelers Nation plants its flag. And the place goes crazy. SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR.
1: Thursday afternoon inside the Electric Factory Euler Remotes, thanks to our gutty, our gutty, our buddy, Good, what? thanks to our Wait buddy, a minute. thanks to our buddy, Brian Bakko, that's a lot of bees in there, for uh, joining us in the last segment, picking against the Steelers again, oh man, we'll see how it works out for him on the twitter.com, usually the natives don't take too kindly to that kind of thing, yeah, Arthur Motes, we had some discussion about different casts of characters, but still two organizations that are very familiar with each other, in the first segment, but I know you wanted to deep dive into this a little bit more. Can you really have – when the head coaches, right, have both been there for over a decade. Yeah, And Tw- the continuity – 12
2: for Coach Tomlin. Thir- no, 13 for Tomlin. 12, and 12, for, 12 Harbaugh. for Harbaugh. 12
1: for right? Yeah. And, and you've had, again, from a front office and from an ownership standpoint, that same continuity for – for, for decades. It- does the revolving cast of characters, does the new names – does it really matter that much when the names change in, in X's and O's wise when you have still John Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin, uh, coaching staffs that have not had a ton of turnover on them? Are we maybe looking into, much, into a lot of, oh, Ben's gone, Flacco's gone, AB's gone, Suggs is gone. Uh, are we looking into that a little bit too much when you still have the same bench bosses roaming the sidelines? I
2: definitely think we're looking into it too much. As we, As I talked about a little earlier, it doesn't, matter in terms of which players are out there because the rivalry is talked about the rivalry the history of it is passed down it's generational and I think it's that type of mentality but it starts up top when you have the coaches the same coaches that understand each other they know their strengths and weaknesses they have a mutual respect for each other as well I think that is ultimately what sets the tone when those coaches come in, you, the reason why you can tell the difference is because the coach lets you it's the difference. The coach, the way he talks about them, the way he discusses his preparations, his game plans for this particular team, the familiarity that he has, understanding the situations, that's why the rivalry stays what it is for the players. And when you just look at Coach T versus Harbaugh, I mean, they're compared a lot. People always saying, you know, which coach is the better coach. I do think a lot of people still say that Harbaugh is the better coach, but I always wonder why.
1: Yeah, let's get into this. You know,
2: let's, 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 let's take a little bit of time. I, can,
1: I think I can tell you why. I think I have your answer. Go ahead. Because people look at the rosters they've had, uh-huh. right? And just because – I don't think this is just because of perception. This is reality. The Steelers have had a better quarterback. Correct. Uh, the Steelers have had the Antonio Browns and the Lev Bells. Mm-hmm. I think people held Steelers' expectations a little bit higher than they did the Ravens. Okay. Now, you and I have talked about this before too, right? The whole crowd of like, look at all the talent that Tomlin's had, and he hasn't won a a second Super Bowl, hasn't been back to a Super Bowl, hasn't won enough playoff games. Okay, if that's your criticism, fine. Okay. But you do realize that Tomlin has (laughs) a very instrumental role in procuring that talent to bring that talent to Pittsburgh. So if you think – he doesn't do well enough with the talent. Again, that's your opinion. You're entitled to it. But also give him credit for, for how how talent. involved he is in acquiring right. that talent. But to answer your question, I think that's why a lot of people in the NFL world, right, outside mm-hmm. of Pittsburgh, outside of Baltimore, would say, oh, I think Harbaugh's a little bit better of a coach because they'd say, oh, Harbaugh has overachieved while Tomlin is underachieved.
2: And now this is what I want to talk about too. So when we looked at the defenses between both teams, Oh, throughout the years, and stuff like that. Who do you think has had the better defense historically?
1: Oh, man. Now you're really putting me on the spot. Yeah,
2: because I'm thinking – I'm looking at the Steelers and some of their elite players, and I'm thinking about some of the Ravens, their elite players so as well. So, on the
1: front end of the Harbaugh-Tomlin era, I would have said the Steelers had a better defense. The back end here, maybe the, the last few years as much, I think I would go with the Ravens.
2: Hmm. So you're saying that? Let's see.
1: But I think it could flip flop back now. I'd I'd take the Steelers defense now. Over I Ravens agree. Defense. I do like the Steelers yes, defense the now. The 2019 yes. edition, without a doubt.
2: Yes. But man, I just think back. Okay, when we go position by position, Steelers best safety during that time, Trey Palomalu, future Hall of Famer. Ed Reed is a Hall of Famer. First ballot. I mean, it's two. <laughs> uh, then we go linebackers. The two best safeties
1: yeah. in National Football League history. Then we
2: look linebackers. I'm thinking, okay, Ray Lewis first ballot sucks future first ballot probably yeah, yeah. yeah and then I'm saying okay for the Steelers linebackers you have with James Harrison Farrier Farrier
1: foot Woodley I would say the Ray Lewis and Suggs are probably uh, held to a higher degree than I
2: would definitely say that
1: whoever you want to put is the one and two for the yeah. Steelers but I think after that, the Steeler, the Larry Foots of the world, and the James Fair Ferri- and yes. the Lawrence Timmonses of yes. the world.
2: Like that second tier. Yes, I think Absolutely. the Steelers, the Steelers have been have much the better, better. ones. I mean, come on, yes. Ray Lewis
1: and Terrell Suggs. Right, and that's uh, what I'm like. I was just I mean, you were yeah, going with that. I'm like, like hey, that's like hey, and uh, like Lambert. Right. I mean,
2: that's what I'm like, where are you going with this one, but man? But I think
1: after those two, okay, man, the Steelers have had, like you and I kind of talk about, right, a lot of times it's the Hall of Fame, it's not the Hall of Very Good. Right. But if it was the Hall of Very Good, the oh, Steelers, Steelers have be, a lot yeah. of linebackers who are in that Hall Absolutely. of Very Good, Joey Porter.
2: Absolutely. So that's the thing I'm just always thinking about. I'm like, I understand the quarterback Hold on, argument. take it farther.
1: The defensive lineman. Oh, we could we we definitely go defensive. Okay, so, Nada so. or Casey Hampton. Right. <laughs> I mean, again, like, yes. My answer is yes. <laughs>
2: who, who, which one do you want more? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Secondary, I mean, obviously we go corners. Obviously they've had Jimmy Smith out there. Ike Taylor here. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Whole bunch of names, yeah. Man. They're, they're, again, uh, uh, certainly plenty of future Hall of Famers, plenty of future Hall of Very Gooders. Absolutely, I, I wonder how much this season, though, could change the perception of both coaches. I agree. Um, and what you know, Harbaugh has been able to do in changing the offense and bringing Lamar in, or as opposed to what Tomlin and company could accomplish in the face of having to bring in your backup quarterback so early in the season and all these injuries and all these kind of additions on offense and defense.
2: And I think the thing that makes this such a unique battle this time is this. We talk about how Harbaugh, they say he has done more with less, but we know that coach Tomlin does his best when he's in this role of underdog, having to motivate his guys. So I do feel that we probably will see the best of both of those guys right now, because if you look at the Ravens roster, I mean, They have very talented players. Granted, they haven't all been playing up to par, but they do have talent. So it will be interesting to see how Harbaugh handles that. But at the same time, we know when, like I said, I know from personal experiences, when the odds are stacked against Coach Tomlin, the way he motivates, the way he gets the best out of those guys, that's when he's at his best. That's when he's thriving. So when we get this matchup on Sunday, we're really going to see whose best is the best so to speak, because, like I said, both of these guys are going to be in their element. They're both right. going to be – this is what he does best, this is what he does best. Very familiar. Absolutely. So that's the thing I'm interested to see. But, yeah, I was just always just with that narrative of Harbaugh is the better because of this or that, and I was like, well, why is that? And, yeah, when you even look at the quarterbacks, I mean, technically, they both have Super Bowls. I mean, well, Flacco used to.
1: Yeah, yeah, I he's, was we, say. he was there. I yeah. was gonna say yeah, he's not not there anymore. <laughs> and as much as we like to poo-poo on Flacco, yeah, was that 2011? Was uh, I think that yes, they won the Super Bowl. Yes, yes, eleven. He yeah. was amazing in the yes. postseason. One of the best postseason runs. I of, mean, of any. He remember, had ten it, touchdown passes and no interceptions. Yeah, and
2: then he hit the the, the big lotto with the contract.
1: Yeah,
2: bet on himself. And then went
1: to McDonald's drive-through to celebrate yeah. after he signed the contract. Yeah, he was my kind of guy in that situation. Who has had the better offseason additions, Motsi? The Ravens or the Steelers? Uh, Ravens bringing in some big names in free agency. Earl Thomas, Mark Ingram, they get Hollywood Brown in the draft. The Steelers, more active than usual. Steven Nelson, Mark Barron, Dante Moncrief, they go up to first top ten pick since Rod Woodson. Who made the better off-season acquisitions?
2: As of right now, I would say it's the Steelers because their guys are actually playing better. Earl Thomas has looked a little heavy. He has. His effort has been called into question it a has. couple of times, particularly
1: last week against those Browns.
2: Absolutely. And then uh, I like Mark Ingram. I think he does a great job in terms of fitting their scheme what I they want to do say, offensively. What they ask him to do, he is, he's built to do. Yes, like, I, I think that he thrives in Good that type of role. For them. But when we just look at it from a and, and Hollywood Brown has been doing phenomenal. But I will say this. A lot of Hollywood success was happening Dolphins. early. Dolphins, Cardinals. That
1: FCS week one opener that the Ravens had.
2: And, and I, I still feel like that game messed with a lot of people's minds and a lot of people's perception of the Ravens.
1: I, You and I have talked about this off air a lot, but tell them.
2: When you look at that that Ravens and Dolphins game, everybody gives it, oh they their world beaters.
1: Look at that offense. And then they went and they and –
2: Got out to Arizona, right? And we're looking and we're like, oh, Arizona must be good. They came back at the end to tie the game versus the Lions. Oh, man, they're, they're, hey, that's a good Arizona team. Now here we are four weeks later and we're like, huh? Is that a good both, Arizona both, team? both of those teams look a little, huh? And then they turn around and everybody wants to say, oh, they played their best game against Kansas City.
1: No, you and I have just proven that. Listen, theory.
2: listen. And then it the gets me this just because you say they played their best game doesn't mean the game was close. Right. Like, Hey, they played great. But they they still lost. They
1: played great. So great that they were down 17 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, absolutely.
2: But they played great. So I look at that, and then we all saw what it looked like versus the Browns and how they just had their way with them. Pick your poison. You want to give the game ball to Jarvis Landry, or you want to give the game ball to Nick Chubb? Oh, hey, Baker, you get a game ball too. Why don't you? So when I'm looking at all that, I'm just I'm wondering to myself, are the Ravens like that? And I'm
0: I just – Yeah.
1: I told you after week 1, right? When there was all that talk because again, I mean them going down to Miami and beating the Dolphins is like Alabama playing Southern Mississippi. Yep. I mean no, sorry. It's it's like um it's like Auburn playing Southern Mississippi. because The Ravens like, aren't Alabama.
2: It's like Alabama playing West Virginia.
1: It's like West Virginia playing JMU. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, right. it's, it's you know, it's an FCS opener. Wow. And then they come out talking all. That's what really bothered me. And you know this. We talked oh, about yeah. this, and that bothered That bad me. for a running back. They, they, all John Harbaugh and and Lamar coming out and talking all this trash just because you dissected the Dolphins. Congratulations. All right. Well, where's that energy been the last two weeks? Exactly. And you better keep that same energy. And talk about it. After the Steelers yeah, they get it up beat them. You know, Bacco asked us uh-huh. off air. He said, I never hear you guys' predictions. Who are you taking? Absolutely. And we said, you know, we gave him the the media guy. The, oh, we got to see the practice report today. And, yeah. Oh, we'll give you know, our
2: see who's up, who's not up. You know. Screw it. Steelers are winning. Ravens are frauds. There we go. Boom. On the record. Boom. That's a West bomb, ladies and gentlemen.
1: <laughs> we are 25% of the way through the season, Mozi. We're at the quarter poll. Uh, before the season started, you and I laid out four big themes for the Steelers to have success this season. Absolutely. So now that we're 25% of the way in at the corner pole, why don't we revisit those themes Let's and see how we think the Steelers Let's have do been it. doing. We will do that when we return as well as take your reaction on Twitter at Wesley Euler at debody 52 De body. One hour in the books. Come back with us for one more. It's Euler Remotes. It's the electric factory. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. Live from the UPMC, Rooney Sports Complex on the south side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, it's Euler and Motes. Welcome inside the Electric Factory, hour two. This is the hour to get your questions in on the Twitter machine, at Wesley Euler, at DaBody52. DaBody. Got some of those rolling in here already from Tanner and Don Juan and David and Mark. We will get to all of those in the second hour of the show. But first, Arthur Motes. We are at the quarter pole the 2019 National Football League season 25 percent of the way man that happened quick October how you doing staring us right in the face and uh I guess if you think too I was talking about this with Brian and with Tom and the rest of our crew um, that are part of the Steelers broadcasts if you include the preseason we've already had eight eight Steelers games yeah. now it is crazy how it's flown by but we are at you know the quarter pole again 25 percent of the way through the season. Before the year started, uh, Patriots Week, Motz and I laid out four areas, four themes of the Steelers' season, four things that we thought they needed to do or specific areas they needed to improve if they wanted to have success this year. Now, obviously, Motzi, we made these four themes. <laughs> we didn't know that one uh, ben, ben Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger. would Absolutely. be out after only playing five and a half quarters of football. Absolutely. But I think most of these still apply in their own way, and even – one of these, I think, maybe applies more now in the absence of Big Ben. So you ready? Let's do it, man. Our number one biggest theme for the Steelers to have success this year was turnovers. Mm-hmm. Limiting them on offense, creating more of them on defense. They've done a better job in both regards so far, particularly on the defense. Arthur Motes, we know, everybody knows the number. We talked about it at nauseum all off season. That Steelers defense last year only forced 15 turnovers. And remember, I came to you, Arthur Motes, with all my research and all my notes. You know, you, you that's what you do. Staying up late. Oh, I mean, I, I haven't slept, you know, since, what was, OTAs? And I minicamp mean, you had bags
2: in your eyes. Your eyes were red. I was like, man, you need some rest. Your hair's still looking good, though. Oh, always. Flawless.
1: I told you at least 23 turnovers was, you know, the number you want to be at for a defense. Correct. You want to be at at least the 23 to 25 range if you want to have a real chance to win your division. Play in a championship game. Make it to the Super Bowl. Climb the ladder. All those things that we know the Steelers organization expects every single year. So far, 25% of the way in, nine turnovers for your Steelers defense. mozi I'm not great at math. Talk about it. But I can do this one. Come on now. That means they're projected to have I'll one, carry the one.
2: Got the remainder, divide that by four.
1: 36 turnovers this season. I like it. Yeah, that would do it. That would put them in Chicago Bears territory. I think that defense had 35, 36, yes. 37 last season, something like that. Arthur Motes, our biggest theme of the season, turnovers, turnover ratio, less on offense, more on defense. Uh, thank
2: you. I'm loving it. I love it 100%, man. I think that when you look at the the turnovers that they are creating, the timing of it, I mean, it's very impactful. We talk about the Bud Dupree turnover that he forced on Monday night versus Cincinnati. That pretty much
1: was the turning point in that game. Totally. The the Bengals had just gotten a first down. Absolutely. They were in scoring position. Yeah. Still a one-score game at that point.
2: Absolutely. And then I I take it a step further. I think about that San Fran game and how the offense wasn't being very productive. But the turnovers that they were creating and some of the ones that they were just receiving, it still kept that game close. It still kept that game – a lot closer than what it probably could have been or should have been at that moment. But those are the things that when you talk about the impact that turnovers have, that's it right there. It A turnover masks so much stuff. A team could be moving the ball on you or in a great scoring position, but when you create that turnover, all that is wiped away. No one cares about it. And you give the offense another opportunity to be successful. So that's why it's important that they continue that trend, man. I think they will. I think that we're not even fully seeing this defense potential yet. They're no. still young. They're still learning each other. Like, they so started we, to scratch
1: the surface yes. on Monday night. I mean,
2: I think they, Minka is still learning right.
1: this defense. Devin Bush is still learning.
2: Absolutely. We're seeing Mark Barron finally look like he's taking a step in the right direction. I mean, dude.
1: Steven he, Nelson is still <laughs> getting comfortable in this defense. Joe
2: Hayden. Remember that? He missed a lot of time throughout the preseason with injury. He's getting back into the swing of things. The d lines get getting to the swing of things. Like – I think this defense can really go and grow into something special. I do too. And they're definitely on that uh, trajectory right now.
1: The only thing in this realm of turnover conversation that still concerns me, right, is still we're seeing the untimely fumbles from the offense Mm. a little too much. Deontay Johnson inside, what, his own 20, 30-yard line. James Conner out in San Francisco. On the flip side of this, while in in the absence of Ben and the changing of the offense, the interception numbers are going down. Correct. Still want to see some better ball security from the offense.
2: No, absolutely, man. Ball security is key. And – you put – not only do you give up the possession, but you typically put your defense in a bind. Yep. We've seen that two weeks in a row. The only points that
1: the Bengals scored on Yeah, we saw that two weeks
2: in a row. um, Unfortunately, versus San Fran, they weren't able to hold them to a field goal or create another turnover off of that, whereas versus Cincinnati, they were able to accomplish that feat. But, yeah, you have to protect the ball. That's that's the one thing, especially, like I said, when we talk about this team not having Ben anymore, when you talk especially about this team now. not having A.B., when you talk about this team not having the overabundance of talent, when you are less or, or lacking in terms of – top-flight talent, your execution, your attention to detail has to go up a lot more because your margin of error becomes that
1: much smaller. you got to win that turnover battle every, Absolutely. every
2: week. Absolutely. They, like,
1: Which they did against Seattle, plus two in that mm-hmm. department, against San Francisco, plus three in that department, yet still lost both of those games.
2: Absolutely, because when the time, the turnovers mm-hmm. happened, versus San Fran in particular, it was, what, a little over two minutes left in the game? And they gave them the ball in a super on your own, short half field? half of the field? Absolutely, that changes everything. If they hold on to that ball... They get inside the two minutes, that game's over.
1: Second theme that we laid out and kind of relates to the same conversation we're just having, and, and this was the one where I told you maybe even so more than now in the absence of Ben, more balanced offense. Uh, last year we talked a lot about how it felt like at times, right, the Steelers were just calling plays as opposed to scheming Correct. for their opponent. Uh, we talk about, yes, Lev wasn't there last year, but now officially gone in and, and the absence of A.B., and um getting more guys like James Conner and Jalen Samuels involved, like Vance McDonald, bringing in Moncrief and hoping that James Washington's taking that next step and, and Juju emerging as a, as a true number one wide receiver. How are we feeling about the balance of the offense through through 25% of the season?
2: Um, it's going to change. It, we, it, do we? It's, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to really get an identity on it right now. We talked about that a little bit with uh, Brian in terms of they don't have an identity right now. We saw them in Week One where they threw the ball way more than they ran it. We saw Week Two where it was t- it was ch- trending toward that, and then obviously San Fran kind of balanced a little bit more. And then obviously this pass game was the closest it's ever been. I do think this team is better when they focus and put an emphasis on committing to the run. I think that when they do those things, the offense is more productive. I will say this in terms of the play calling. Versus just calling plays versus being more schematic. Sure. We've seen that a lot, especially this last game. I think even early versus the Patriots, we didn't see schematics. We just saw, hey, we're going to call plays because that's what we've done in the past and we'll be fine. I don't think that this offense is built for that anymore. And now – due to the quarterback going down now you're really seeing your
1: your top two tight ends coming into the season going down as well too
2: and then also like the offensive line, I mean they definitely played a lot better this past game but Mm -hmm. I mean it was still a point where they weren't playing up to their full potential in terms of getting a ton of movement off the line of scrimmage so when you look at all that I do say from a schematic standpoint they're doing a lot better in terms of the play calling in terms of Attacking certain things that they see. And that's something that we talked about needed to be a theme for this offense. So hopefully that continues on.
1: I did think that there was some irony in Monday night, right? Where you hear from Steeler Nation quite often, why can't the Steelers – Throw in more wrinkles. Why can't the Steelers switch up what they do, right? Why can't the Steelers hey. <laughs> do something unexpected,
2: change it up a little bit,
1: and then they whoa, whoa. do? Why and all are you doing sun, that? Wait, that well, that's just a one-game gimmick. I that mean, Why are you on. being gimmicky, man? We don't need that. That's the wildcat. Everybody wants to have their cake and eat it too.
2: Come on, man, Mister Moats. Everybody wants to be a star until they got to be a
1: star. Everybody wants to be famous, but nobody wants to put the work in. Wait, Talk sorry, sorry, wrong, wrong, wrong thought process there. Our third theme that we laid out for the Steelers to have success in this 2019 season. So for those of you keeping notes at home, again, turnovers, the first one. More balanced offense, the second one. The third one, success on special teams. Mm -hmm. Last year we saw too many missed field goals. Certainly that's the easy thing to look at, but still underneath that, way too many penalties on special teams. Way too many big plays given up to the other teams on special teams. Through the quarter pole We're looking really good here too Boswell, money, 100% Listen, The Wizard man. of Oz is back
2: Shout out to the bubble gum chewing madman On the sideline known as Danny Smith He received a scrutiny last year But at the same time, now that he's doing well, you have to give him his praise. You have to congratulate him. He's doing a phenomenal job. Like you said, Boz is back. He's healthy. He's hitting it. You look at the coverage teams. Their
1: kickoff and punt coverage have been great.
2: absolutely. No penalties. Absolutely. And the thing that I love about his job in terms of, you know, Danny having to get these guys going is it's not like – has been in the past where he's had the same core group of guys. If you look, Rosie Nix has been down. Mm -hmm. Hayward Uh, Bay's gone. Hayward Bay's gone. Chicolo's been down. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at it, it's like, oh, it's a new cast in there as well. But he's making it work. He's making those guys be as productive as they can be, and that's the thing that I love. Even Jordan Barry has been doing a great job. I was just and he received say, some scrutiny as well. A
1: lot of people thought he should when when they gave him that one year extension. Yeah. A, a lot of people thought that that was a poor idea.
2: Absolutely, man. So both of those guys, man, have been doing phenomenal jobs in terms of Barry and Boswell in terms of bouncing back this year. And like I said, man, I just think that Danny is doing a good job getting those guys up to play in all phases, not just kickoff. He's doing right. kickoff, kick return, punt, punt return, field goal, field goal block. I mean, every element of it, they look really good.
1: And you mentioned with some new faces, too. We know Medakevich is a, is a special teams guy. Yeah. But, man, he's gotten a lot out of the rookies. And Ulysses Gilbert, the third, UG3, mm-hmm. uh, who's quickly becoming a Steeler fan Absolutely. favorite. Benny Snell as well, too, able to pull guys. Johnny Holton, guys from all different position groups, rookies, guys with experience. And, Yeah. Special teams was a big concern last year. It has been a strength, or almost like we talk about, like we said this with Steven Nelson, right? If you're not talking about it with special teams.
2: That's a good thing. If you're
1: not talking about your second corner. Absolutely. That's a good thing because that means they're not messing up. They're doing their job. And uh,
2: I think, too, when you look at the situation the offense has been in, granted, this past game they started out and they, they ignited something, right, offensively, but prior to that, They were struggling, and the reason why a lot of these – outside of the Patriots game, the reason why a lot of them were still close is because they were playing really good defense and special teams, and if you can play defense, play special teams, you can make up for a lot of the errors the offense has, even if they're
1: not scoring – as Particularly long as when the offense is helping right. keep your defense off the field absolutely. too, like we saw like, on Monday.
2: those are the—that's how it all works together. You, it's energy. When you talk about the Bears, the Bears, their offense is scary, but they run the ball, and they're going to make sure that defense gets the necessary rest. They're not going to turn the ball over, and then when you look at can them, they an occasional big play to Allen Robinson. Yeah, and and that's just their recipe. But they play great defense, and their special teams units are top notch. And granted, now they got their kicking situation settled, but. Other than that, it's like, okay, that's their recipe. And we saw that early on, when even when it was uh, Russell Wilson. Remember, it was Legion of Boom defense, right. Seattle uh, second uh, uh, special teams, Percy Harvin running back Lynch. kicks, Marshawn Lynch running the ball. And that's kind of how you do it until you get your quarterback to emerge, until that offense catches up and is ready to be a, a focal point. And that's just the way you mask some of those things per
1: se. Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, uh, I'm sure there's some more that I'm forgetting, but all – Probably your boy Wentz, what? No, 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 he's not. I,
2: I ain't going to disrespect Yeah, I'm come not on, he had a running him. back by committee going Yeah, I want to disrespect him, him but his defense is nice, though. Girly. His defense is real, nice. real nice.
1: Uh, you've seen a, a lot of young quarterbacks come into this league and have early success, and a big part of that has been having a, having a good run game to lean on for sure as well as, as the special teams element as well. The last theme we laid out, Motsi. And this one, talk about the franchise quarterback going down six quarters into the season. This one got yeah. an, an even new, an even new definition to it. The mantra of Coach Daryl Drake: shutting out the noise, being a quiet team, being a cohesive unit, not blabbing to the media, not uh, you know causing distractions for the team, shutting out the noise. I think this is another one where, too, obviously, they have been. Head down, business, no excuses, uh, straightforward. Even in the face of, again, losing their franchise quarterback six weeks into the season, an 0-3 start. I think it's certainly something that that C- Coach Tomlin and the staff, and I think the leaders on this team too, you know, the Cam Haywards and the Pounceys and the DeCastros, a lot of these veteran guys, they have been a much quieter and and seems like they've got a lot of unity <laughs> with, within the unit this year. A little and
2: Unity. Unity. Man, but uh, it's the truth, though. I think that when you talked about that shutting out the noise element from Drake and all the things that they've had to overcome, they've been doing a phenomenal job in that department and even more so this week because, okay, last week you had to deal with all of the buildup of being Mm 0-3, all the buildup of the national media doubting you. Everybody's talking about how bad you are. And you had you know, to the deal with it over. for an extra day right, since you were playing until Monday. Monday. <laughs> but then they go out there and have the big win Monday night, and now the new narrative and the new noise they need to shut out is oh, either the Bengals stink. stink or some of the people that are buying into the hype train of, all right, now it's 13-3, they're not losing again. They what, they've emerged. Wait, you mean
1: they aren't going thirteen and three?
2: What? I mean you say they're thirteen and three. I
1: thought that was chiseled on the wall out there, like Ten Commandments style. I,
2: I got it tattooed on with the Super Bowl championship.
1: So. No, no, listen. Yeah. I saw it all happen. All right.
2: All uh, right, talk about Mr. it.
1: Mr. Rooney went up to Mount Washington and he came down with these tablets and chiseled on uh, there
2: with Steelers thirteen and three. Okay. That's that's pretty much how it happened.
1: <laughs> no, but you're right.
2: And that's kind of the, the noise that they have to block out though. They have to refocus. They have to block out the noise of it being Ravens week, rivalry week.
1: And, and you said, too, sometimes that noise is harder to block out than the criticism.
2: Absolutely, because when people start talking about how, hey, Mason, you look good. Look at your numbers. Jalen, hey, man, you're the guy. Defense, James Conner, wow. man, you bounce back. Defense, DJ oh, Watt, man. you're a beast. Oh, Bud Dupree, man, now Ooh, you're showing them like, Stefan
1: to it, best year of your career.
2: Absolutely, man. So these are all the noise that you have to block out when you're talking about this team. Cause it goes both positive and negative noise and it's difficult but for them man the the one constant that you can always fall back on and hang your hat on is just understanding the importance of going to work whenever you get in this building not caring about anything else is going on outside of here not caring about what the media is seeing not caring about what your family and your friends are saying understanding the work that needs to be done and the commitment that you have to have not only for yourself but for your brothers for your teammates for the people in this building that's, the, that's how you continue to block out that noise, and that's how this team can continue to be success and win the way that we saw them win on Monday.
1: Those are the four themes that Arthur Motes and I set out for the Steelers before the 2019 campaign began. Turnovers, limiting them on offense, creating more on defense, a more balanced offense, special team success, and shutting out the noise. We've had our say at the quarter poll of the season, what say you? On Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. When we come back, we're gonna keep making more noise, Motsy. Come on, man! Because it's three question. The highlight Thursday of my Thursday. A three pack of inquisitive questions for one Arthur Motsy when we return inside the Electric Factory, right here at Steelers Blitz on SNR. This
0: is where Steelers Nation plants its flag Hello my friends, this is Craig Wolfley You're listening to SNR Steelers Nation Radio This is the Steelers Blitz With Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes On your 24-7 home of the black and gold SNR
1: everybody's favorite time of the week, 120 on a Thursday. That can only mean one thing, Arthur Motes. It is time for Three Question Thursday. Bring a
2: smile to my face, baby. Let's do it.
1: Our loyal listeners, The Power Grid, they know how this one works. But if you're a new listener, if you're just joining us today, two questions for Arthur Motes that always relate to sports, at least two. One's usually – one or two usually football-related, but outside of the bubble of the Steelers. And then I usually like to kind of throw a curveball – at him before we get this out of here true. as well. So here you go, right? I'll start with the hard-hitting football question, like always, from outside of the Steelers bubble. About Liverpool? That, that, those are your boys.
2: Oh, the other football. My bad. All right, got you.
1: <laughs> football. Although there are uh, – we got what? Raiders and uh, – is it Raiders and Jags in London? In London, yeah. Is that – I know the Raiders are one of the teams. Is it the, the Jags, the other team? <sighs> Bears. Raiders, Bears. That's who it is. Boom. Raiders oh, Bears. Oh, yeah, because Khalil Mack, yes. You're like, right. Raiders, Bears in in London this weekend, which is always great for the degenerates because you get the extra early game on Sunday. Oh, you yeah. wake up and get some early action. Arthur Motz, two big name players in the NFL, two big name talents that are quote unquote on the trading block. On the opposite sides of the ball. Jalen Ramsey and Stephon Diggs. So let me ask you this. And and both of their, I should say, both of their organizations have come out and said, eh, we're not really going to trade the guy. You know, the the reports that the Jaguars turned down two first-round well, picks and, for Ramsey. And, and
2: Shad Khan did come out recently and said the same thing. Like, I'm not a, Right.
1: He we value him too much. As did a lot of the brass from the Vikings, saying yeah. that Diggs isn't going anywhere. But I've got two questions about these two guys for you. All right, let's answer them. First one is, who is more likely to move in season this year, Jalen Ramsey or Stephon Diggs?
2: Uh, I think it would be Diggs. Initially, I thought it would be Ramsey. Um, just because of how the excuses started to come up. First, he has the, you know, my my wife's pregnant. I don't know if that's an labor. excuse. No, no, Having no, no, a no. child. No, no, But that's what I'm saying. Like know, It was something the, the, different every It week. was something. The first, it started with that. Then it was, oh, it's my back. Then it was, oh, it's this. Right. And then it was that. And it was just one thing after the other. So initially, I was thinking, you know what? It might be this guy. But then after hearing the reports of them turning out two first-round picks, I said, man, if you're going to turn down two first-round picks, you're not trying to move this guy. I don't care.
1: Right. Even if you know they're, they're going to be a right. thirty. It first, doesn't matter where they are. There's still two, two first-round picks.
2: And that's on top of what you already have. Yeah, for me, I'm like that. that... And
1: knowing you're going to have to pay this guy next Absolutely. year. Absolutely.
2: And then, like I said, when the owner comes out and he says that, hey, I, I'm not opposed to making him the highest-paid player at his position. I'm not opposed to that. We value him too much. It's different if it's a GM. It's different if it's a head coach. Sometimes you can't trust gyms and head coaches. Sometimes they'll tell you one thing and they'll still trade you. We've seen that in the past. But when the owner is saying it, I'm like, hey, that's the guy who writes everybody's checks. Mm-hmm. He Yeah, so if he's saying it, I think it holds a little more weight. Whereas with Diggs, I, they did say he was at practice today for the Vikings.
1: Okay. Participant or was just there? I didn't get to see all that. Okay. I, I okay. know
2: they said he was there, though. So for me, the fact that that still kind of came about the blue in terms of, oh, now he's just – You know, not going to be there. He's going to be there, but he's not practicing. Like, it just seems a little fishy. And I I haven't followed that situation enough. That's a newer situation as opposed to Ramsey, which has been lingering for a few weeks. But another reason why I think it could be Diggs is this. If you trade Jalen Ramsey, the Jags' corners aren't – they don't have a a replacement, somebody equivalent, or even in the same stratosphere as him. Whereas with Minnesota, they can say, man, we still got Thielen." And Dalvin Cook You got Cook Uh, What was the Titan up there Um, Geez I'm drawing a blank on his name Oh man Not Cal Not Cal Rudolph Jeez, No What is his name I can't even think Irv (laughs) Smith No No stop it But either way it's like (laughs) They still feel confident Knowing that hey If we lose Diggs We still have Thielen If you're the Jags You lose Jalen Ramsey who, who, who's walking through that door for you? Right. Who are you bringing in there? And that's why, for me, I feel that it would be Diggs the best. first. Kyle, it is Kyle Rudolph. It is, okay, yeah, yeah perfect. Yeah. yeah.
1: The second part of this, and with this question, right, I want to tell you, you have to consider everything. So the fact that Jalen Ramsey is going to want a huge contract this offseason is part of this question. If you could add one of these guys right now to the Steelers – would you add Jalen Ramsey and make that defense even more bonafide in the secondary? Or would you add Stephon Diggs and then you could kind of have what we had the the, the last, last year, two number one wide receivers?
2: You got to do Diggs. There's no reason to bring in uh, Jalen Ramsey right now. I mean, when you think about what you already have and what it's going to cost for him to get in here. That's the big kicker. Yeah, what it's going to cost to bring him in and then what it's going to cost to keep him because you're going to have to give him the contract. But my question to you is this. If you do get Diggs, what are you giving up? That, that's my real
1: hey, question. I asked the questions here, all
2: right? I understand it's three questions Thursday, but listen, this is not Madden. Are, are you going to trade? You know what? Yeah, six round pick. Like, like for and, for Digs. Three years from now, is come gonna on get now, you not Diggs? at all. I was like, <laughs> if, if for that, you might as well go with the the next theory of. I had a person tell me, "Hey man, we should trade Juju to get the draft picks, and then you can use those draft picks to trade for Diggs. We already know that Diggs has proven to be a good receiver. I'm like, oh, okay.
1: Slow down. Hey, I'm
2: just saying, man, on Madden, it, it makes perfect sense.
1: <laughs> I don't even know if it makes perfect sense on Madden, but if you, know, you just, say so. Just go with the Madden. Three question Thursday, question number two. Arthur Motes, it's a great time of the sports year. Mm-hmm. Football's in full swing, college and the, the NFL. Wonderful time. Playoff baseball. And hockey's back tonight. There we go, hockey, bay. you got me with that. And the NBA's starting soon. So, Arthur Motes. Talk about it. I think I got a good hunch, a good inkling. You think you know me? That football is your favorite sport to watch. Why would you think that? Uh, Just, again, just a hunch.
2: I like regular season
1: baseball. (laughs) I want to (laughs) know, Arthur Motes, you got to rank for me, your favorite spectator sports to watch. And I should say you can differentiate the NFL and college football in this and, you know, NBA and college basketball as well.
2: Okay. Well, it goes NFL football. Then I'm going NBA. Then I'm going NCAA basketball, college football at four. Then after that, going hockey. Then after that, I'm going the Olympics. Ooh. Then after that, I'm going uh, UFC. Ooh. Then after that, I'm going boxing. Okay. And then after that, I'm going MLS. I was gonna say you still haven't gotten to soccer. I'm going MLS. I'm going a little soccer. Okay. And then after that,
1: then you put baseball on that list. Okay. So you got MLB all the way down at one, two, three, four, five, five <laughs> eight, nine.
2: Actually, actually throw my my daughter's uh travel basketball team in there as well before. You know we can put the PGA tour <laughs> yeah. and Wimbledon and I'm tennis saying, yeah, and all that. I, in front I have of there. zero
1: desire to watch MLB. It's it's always college football for me. Yeah. You and I have had these discussions. My mm. earliest sports memories are being five, six years old in the blue lot with my family at yeah. WV football games. When I was raised, yes, my family, we all gathered around the T V at one o'clock on Sunday to watch the Steelers, like yeah. all good yinzers do. But football was a Saturday event mm. in my household. Yes. Yeah, it, 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 it always was growing up, and honestly it's it still kind of is now. <laughs> the
2: reason why we never Like, we hardly ever watch football on Saturdays because when you're playing ball growing up, you play on Saturdays. JV football. Well, even before that, Pop Warner football. Pop Warner football, yeah. Yeah. So, Saturdays was I'm playing day. When I want to watch ball, I'm watching on Sundays. I'm watching Sunday, NFL, and then Monday night football. So, even when I got to college, I still didn't get to experience the – Hey, we're watching Saturday football. You know why? Because when you don't wrestle in college, you know what you're doing on Saturdays? You're playing football. Mm-hmm. So for me, my football day has always been Sunday. And it's the Lord's day. The Lord made football
3: for, for his Sunday.
2: Day. He said, you know what? We're going to save you, get your life right in the morning, and I'm going to let you watch football in the <laughs> afternoon. That's just how it
1: goes. Make you feel bad about yourself in the morning yeah. and then pick you up in that, the that, afternoon. That, that's,
2: that's what it's there for. So, for me, that's why I always have the professional NFL level rank first. Now, for basketball, I do go back and forth because if we're talking like March Madness, I do like March Madness basketball over NBA regular season basketball. Sure. But as a whole, I'd rather watch NBA players in general general versus collegiate players. It's just the levels. I feel like the drop-off is drastic in some of these schools. Like when you look at a – let's see for basketball, Duke basketball versus – I don't know, Duquesne basketball. Like, in the NBA, you don't get that level of a drop-off. So I can bank on, even sure. if it's a blood, I'm still going to get some type of good game. It's going to be sure. some player that I've watched that I know from the collegiate uh, collegiate level that I can see be successful. Whereas in college basketball, some of these games get nasty. And the same with college football. Like, I don't want to watch Alabama put up 70 on a team. I, we, talk, we talked about that the, the first two weeks of – NCAA, like when mm-hmm. the, when see start, I'm like, man, these teams There's are getting – like one or
1: two good games yeah, every week.
2: I'm like, I don't like that, at least with the NFL. Now, granted, the Dolphins tanking was like a rarity, which is why it's such a big deal. But other than that, even on the bad games, that the gap, quality of football is still better than the, the collegiate. And the right. Yeah. And that's, for me, what I love.
1: So I would go college football one, like I told you. I'd put college basketball two. Okay. I, I, I mean <laughs> – those of you who listen to the show at all, follow me on Twitter, anything. You know it's, it's WVU all the time for me. Those have always been my two favorite. I love, love, love college sports. College football one, college basketball two. I put the NFL three, mm-hmm. the Premier League four, and the NHL five. And it's kind of weird because hockey is my favorite sport.
2: Oh, okay.
1: But I don't like the NHL, if that makes sense. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I I don't like the way the NHL is run. I don't like the NHL is governed. Gary Bettman, so Bill So why Galey. do you like the NCAA well, because, what? because, w, because, w, because WVU Trumps all. I don't see, like how it's run. I'm just up what saying I'm putting down here. The NHL is a league that views all of its players the same, so the fourth-line guy in the eyes of the league front office should be just as marketed as Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin, which is just hogwash.
2: Hey, man, all I'm saying is, have you seen the way the NCAA has been run?
1: Well, that could be coming to an end here soon. And, and then I'd go... I'd... Y- y- Boxing, UFC, tennis, I love, golf. I love boxing. Anything UFC, I love anything band. before I get to baseball. Because, again, knock wood if, if you don't if you don't talk. Yeah, about golf.
2: not a baseball guy, man.
1: Three question Thursday. Question number three. Arthur Motes, what day is it? <sighs> it's Thursday. But what is the, the date?
2: It is the third day of October in the year our Lord, 2019.
1: On October 3rd, he asked me what day it was. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that's a reference to?
2: Ah, oh, Man, I feel like it's a movie reference. It probably was a crappy movie. Go ahead and tell me what movie it was. Mean Girls. Exactly. I feel like it was a crappy movie, man. Shout out to In Lindsay Lohan. In
1: my opinion, Mean Girls, the greatest chick flick of all time. What? So to you, Arthur Motes. What? I got Mean Girls one. I got Legally Blonde two. And your opinion, Arthur Motes. Hocus pocus, easy. Wait, what? that's a chick flick. Yes. that's a Halloween movie.
2: That's a Halloween chick movie. What? <laughs> give me Hocus Pocus. Give me Legally Blonde. <laughs> Legally And, and then amazing. give me Sweet. Uh, what was it? Um, sweet home sweet Alabama. Sweet Home Alabama, absolutely. Oh, so
1: you like Reese Witherspoon, huh? Is that what you're telling me? I'm not saying that I don't like She's her. She's in two of your three movies there that you just named.
2: Well, I don't watch all that chick flicks. <laughs> Do you consider The Notebook a chick flick too?
4: I no, consider, like, consider that's that like a romance. romance. Okay, okay. Yes. That's what am like. Where yes. do you.
2: Okay. Oh, set it off. That's my all time favorite chick oh, flick. That's a good one. Keep it gangster. <laughs> that's a
1: good one. <laughs> mean girls, in my opinion. The, it's
2: just... I, I, You know what's funny, though? You know what we're seeing right here? It's so, good. so, the way you talk about mean girls. I do now 100% agree that Set It Off is my favorite chick flick, but you just see the difference in the two
1: of us. <laughs> <laughs> just, so, I mean, how, how old were you when Set It Off uh, was released? Oh, least?
2: man. I'm trying to think when it even came, it came out. I was young still.
1: Uh, Would you have been in high school, middle school? No, no. I think, oh, no. 1996. No. Yeah, as I
2: say, I was still young. 96. I was born 88. 88. Okay. So, yeah, I was still, I was a baby, baby with it, man. Young guy, but i never forget that, man. Set it off, and, and my favorite in the movie was uh, Queen Latifah. Absolutely, she went out, set the trajectory of my life.
1: <laughs> Nineteen ninety, you're dating yourself here. <laughs>
2: hey, man, I live it. I love it, man.
1: Mean Girls Gosh. on October third. He asked me. Mean
2: Girls. What day
1: is How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days a chick flick?
2: I think that's romance. I'm with you too. Any any movie. That has any movie that has another guy as like the 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 right then it's not a chick flick. Clueless was a good one. Yeah,
1: Clueless is a great one. Yeah, I like Clueless. So like like ten things I hate about you wouldn't be a chick flick because Heath Ledger's like the number two, and and same with the Notebook. I'm with you, or even a
2: Night's Tale. That's another one where I was kind of like, ah, it's not chick flick.
1: What about Bridesmaids? That's a total chick flick.
2: Definitely a chick flick. Oh no no no! The one that just came out though. Oh man, it came out a couple years ago. Girls Trip.
1: I don't know if I've ever seen that. Oh,
2: what with the I don't know if I've ever yes, seen dude. that. Yes, dude, Girls Trip, yes.
1: What about a walk to remember? Is that a chick flick? I don't think so.
2: Uh I don't know, but Girls Trip is my one. That has Queen Latifah, Regina Hall in it, it has a uh, JD Pickett Smith, Tiffany Haddish. They going down to like New Orleans for like their, you know, hey, we're all Essence we're going to Essence Fest. We haven't got together since college. Yeah. That's what you should check out, man.
1: What is the greatest chick flick of all time on this day, Mean Girls Day, October Set it off, 3rd, baby. Set it off. At Wesley Uller at 52. Body 52 Debody. When we come back here, we'll wrap up the show. We will get into your reaction. A lot of questions here about the Ravens and the Steelers. Again, on Twitter, at Wesley Euler at Body 52 And also, it is the quarter point of the NFL season, as we discussed there in our themes. Who's going to win MVP? MVP. We'll I saw.
2: To- I saw somebody put, like, Mahomes versus Dak.
1: We'll get to that. Those are both your boys. We'll get to that and your reaction when we come back and wrap up the show. Euler and Motes inside the electric factory on a Thursday. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR.
0: This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR.
1: Three guarantees in life. Death, taxes, and three-question Thursday getting the people going. Mm, Talk about it. All kinds of debate here about chick flicks and mean girls. Our buddy Adam Crowley chimes in and says, Love Actually and Fever Pitch are the best chick flicks. But Fever Pitch 1, again, baseball, we don't do that around here. And anything related to Boston, I just punt down the field like Pat Pat McAfee. Gets no love in here, baby. But Fever Pitch, that's a romance movie. That's not a chick flick. Come on, Crowley, you gotta differentiate. Yeah, he, he should have said instead of fever pitch, go pitch perfect. That's that's a chick flick. Oh, that's a good one. See, yeah. I think that's a chick flick too, although I watch that any day. You know, you know? It's just you got McLovin and don't sing it. Bring it. Hey look, man, I'm just trying to be Akka real with you, you know? Akka yeah. <laughs> excuse me? hmm On Aka Twitter at Wesley Euler at Debody Fifty Two. We've gotten a whole bunch of questions throughout the day, Motzi. So let's hit on some of these Steeler guy chimes in here. With all the hype, all the hubbub about how great the Niners' defense is and all their first-round picks on that defense, who do you think has the better unit at season's end, the Steelers or the Niners?
2: That's a good one. I think the Steelers, I do think, uh, in terms of position by position, I think the Steelers do have more talent, and particularly their first-round talent on top of that. I do think... The pass rush element of the Niners
1: cool. it has a chance
2: to be special. I special, mean, they
1: have three guys on their defensive line who are top 10 picks, absolutely. And, that, and that's <laughs> yeah,
2: that's different. Like, like Grant, there's
1: a, difference between a first round pick at a top 10. And, and, pick. and I was
2: gonna say, that's what we we're gonna say because TJ Watt's a first round pick, Bud Dupree is a first round pick. But Nick Bosa's first round pick first is overall, drastically second overall. Second overall right. Is
1: drastically different. Solomon Thomas, right? Third overall, right? So I'm
2: like, to it, second round pick. Can was a first round pick, but he's still not in that top ten
1: range. No, he was a third. He was in, picked in the 30s.
2: Right. So it's it's a big difference when we talk about that tier of athlete, because I mean, when you're getting those guys in the top five like that, top ten,
1: it's hard to miss. On, if you right. look at the percentages, it's hard to
2: miss in that that group
1: outside of the top ten the percentage of, oh, it drastically of goes guys up. Yeah. you hit on, you know, inside the top ten, the percentage is much higher than right. what you get out of the top ten with every pick, obviously, it incrementally goes down. Yeah, a lot of pedigree there on that Niners defense. I don't know. In terms of the defensive front, I think I would lean towards the Niners. But I think the Steelers' secondary. I was
2: going to say linebackers, the secondary. To secondary can definitely yes. be better than the
1: Niners. With all respect agree. to Richard Sherman. Right. I, I think like, – Like, for
2: me, I don't see the gap being that big between Richard right. and Joe Hayden.
1: Right. No, exactly. And,
2: and for me, if I'm like, if that's the only gap we're talking about, give me Steven Nelson, give me Minka, Minka, and give me Edmonds. No doubt. Like, that's how I look at it. And then, obviously, the linebackers, same concept right now. I think I
1: still – to think Bush and Barron could get even right. better. Because, like
2: I said, we're not talking about just as of right – as of today. We're No, he we're said projecting better at season's at, end. The, at season's in, yeah. we're projecting. Yeah. So,
1: Keith chimes in here, agreeing about our assessment with the turnovers, but adds what the what the offense needs to do more of is capitalize on these turnovers. You can't just create; you have to capitalize.
2: This is true. This is true. If you if you're just creating them but not capitalizing, they're wasted opportunities. Particularly
1: like we saw in San Francisco, right when a lot of those uh, turnovers came on the Niners' half of the field with the Steelers' offense already in an opportune situation.
2: Absolutely, gotta capitalize on them, man, and. and it can't be just field goals,
1: touchdowns. touchdowns. It can occasionally be field goals, right? But, but it touchdowns. needs to be more touchdowns than because if
2: you goals. if you turn the ball over and all you get is a field goal, that's a win for that defense. No doubt, I will tell you hundred percent of the time. Of the field, absolutely, that's no a win for the defense.
1: Jason asks here. I like this question, Motsy. What up, Jason? Particularly for you, uh, so many young players, so many new faces with the Steelers and the Ravens. A new chapter to this rivalry. Jason says he should we should the Steelers should be telling their defense. To plant the seeds, get after Lamar Jackson, let him know that this is NFC North football. Let him know that the Steelers run the North. Let Lamar Jackson know that he's in for a physical afternoon every time he faces the black and gold. Planting those seeds and getting after Lamar Jackson.
2: Yeah, I do agree 100%. Anytime it's a new season and you have the new characters or new people introduced into this rivalry, it's important as a Steeler that you set that tone. I remember when I first came here and they're telling me, hey, look, man, when you go out here, you're going to master this guy. He's familiar with this matchup. You're not. He's going to try to set the tone on you. So you better introduce yourself and you only get one chance for a first impression. That's what they always tell you, because after that, from then on, I would know, OK, that guy's soft. That guy's good. That guy can hit. That guy can't. And that's just what you take from that. And it just hey, as long as you're here, it's hard to change your identity within that matchup. So you better set the tone the right way. You better go out there and hit them in the mouth. And I'm um, when you think about this defense, the way they just came off of that performance versus Cincinnati, they're riding high right now. So they're definitely gonna feel good and get that a great opportunity to play in front of an electric crowd on Sunday at Heinz Field, man. So I do feel a little, a little worried for uh for Lamar Jackson's
1: Tanner. Our good friend Tanner.
2: Shout out to Tanner, man. Loyal.
1: Uh, I like this, and I I think you'll like this too. Asking about Minka having extra motivation this week due to the fact that he was on that Dolphins team that got worked by the Ravens in week one, and he adds Motes. As a player, did you feel like after a team beats you like that that you had to go prove that that game was an anomaly?
2: Absolutely. Anytime you're on the field for one of those nasty blowouts – you feel disrespected, not only the following week, but whenever you get the opportunity to play that team again, regardless of if it was that season or the following season, you want to go out there and prove something. I remember distinctly when we got beat by Miami in 2015 and the way they went about doing it, it was just disrespectful. We were like, man, they ran all over us. We couldn't stop anything. We couldn't save our lives. Like It was just bad. Excuse me, that 15-16 AFC championship year. But when we got the chance to play them again on the wild card, oh, man, just that whole week, like, the excitement and the eagerness of us because we wanted to prove that that was a fluke. We wanted to prove that we aren't that. We, that's the thing that y'all saw, that defense y'all ran against. That was a one-off. That was a one-off. And for Minka, he's feeling the same. He's like, look, man, that that, that performance y'all saw on there, those points y'all put up, nah, that's not me. That might have been them, but that's definitely not me. And Minka has the opportunity to really impact this game in a huge way because he's going to have, you know, a, a big opportunity when Lamar does go out there and try to throw the ball. I mean, there's still questions about Lamar's accuracy and what he can do as a passer. Obviously, he likes to run a little bit as well. So, with him being the extra guy, hey, man, Minka can introduce himself the right way to Lamar Jackson.
1: Mark asks here, you know, just about loving the Steelers Ravens rivalry, the, 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 Best example of NFC North football. Says this will be a double chin strap, pads popping type game. Not for the faint of heart. Wants to know, Arthur Motes, your experience. What does is, what is Steelers-Ravens mean?
2: Oh, man, it's huge. Like I said, my first year here, 2014, I got introduced to it on the road. I think it was a Thursday night game, second game of the year. Yeah, we played Cleveland to open it.
1: That sounds right.
2: Went down to Baltimore on a Thursday night, got beat handedly. And I remember when we came back and we played them, I think it was Monday night, later in the season. Phew, the the energy in that building, the faces that you see, the names, that you make a play. I mean, I had the, uh, the sack on Flacco that game.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And just Hufflepuff thinking back. about how like crazy the moments were. Like when you're making the plays, you don't even think about it. But then when you look and, and you're looking back, okay, well, this changed the trajectory of that game. That happened right here. That play was here for that game. Those were the things that you remember the most. And then just the smack talk. And it's not just offense versus defense. Even on special teams, every play you're like, man, I'm about to fight somebody out here. Like, this is crazy. But that was that's that rivalry. And, and it's, it's very unique. Like, you feel it a little bit when you play New England, but it's still different. Even with Cincinnati, sometimes like when they had Berflik and we went through that generation, it was different. When it's Ravens Week, it's just man in those games, the the animosity and the disdain towards each other, it's it's, it's second to none, man. I've never experienced anything like it. I love it.
1: I do too. It, I'm, it, I'm ready to
2: go pull up on their on their Baltimore Nation uh, radio. Like, what's up, man? Like, yeah. that's how I'm feeling now.
1: Y'all think you could take on the electric factory? You know I mean? What's up? Come get some. What's up? We I'm... brought the power grid with us. Listen, it.
2: listen. I'm pulling up to bus. What's up, man? <laughs> that's how I'm feeling.
1: <laughs> on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. The De Body. Before we get out of here, mozi you know, again, notes, research, stats. <laughs> All the good stuff. Nobody does it like me. Uh, only three guys in the history of the National Football League have won MVPs in back-to-back seasons. And they're three pretty impressive names. Joe Montana, Brett Favre. Mm. I've heard of that guy before. And Peyton Manning. Montana Favre Manning. The only players in NFL history to win back-to-back MVP awards. So, Arthur Motes, can Patrick Mahomes become the fourth this season? And if not, who is the most likely guy other than number 15 to win the MVP? (sighs) You
2: said Mason Rudolph? All right. Oh, man. I said I'm Nick not Patrick Fitzpatrick. Listen, man.
1: T.J. Watt.
2: It's hard not to believe that Mahomes I mean, can insane. be that guy. It's hard.
1: It's insane.
2: Like, I- I'm going to have
1: – If you look at his stats right now, That's he's what I'm on saying. pace to throw for over 6,000 yards. I already know. 6,000 yards. I already know. There's only been, what, I think three or four quarterbacks in the history of the league that have gone over 5,000. He's on pace to go for 6,000. In- and –
2: this is my issue. Like people said last year, oh, listen, he had—he's on pace to go for over 50 touchdowns. He's on pace, but so it's not going to happen. It never happens. And what did he do?
1: And those same people were saying, oh, Mahomes is going to regress coming right. into this season. Oh, don't draft him high in like, fantasy. Like,
2: that's that's. So for me, it's hard to just say like, oh yeah, it's it's not going to happen.
1: Right? Okay. Are you ready for this? Talk about it, man. Right now, he is on. This is stupid. He's on pace to throw 40 touchdowns no interceptions, and for just a shade over 6,000 yards. Exactly. I mean, he threw 52 touchdowns, I think, last year. 40 touchdowns and zero listen, interceptions.
2: Listen, listen. He's doing this without Tyreek Hill. Tyreek yeah. Hill has been hurt. That's true.
1: Yeah. And Ty- Kareem Hunt's gone. <laughs> yeah. It's just
2: it's mind-blowing right now, man. And that's why I say it's hard for me to just say, you know what, it's gonna be this guy instead of that guy. Like, I feel like it's Mahomes to lose. Mahomes, barn. As long as he stays healthy, man, it's his to lose.
1: It's like Usain Bolt in the in the hundred yeah, dash. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, right? no, like no
2: matter how much you might want to say, "Oh man, I love uh, Tyson Gay," or "I love um, uh, what's the what's the, uh, the young cat Blake at the time." It's like, bro, it's it's Bolt's to lose, and that's just. what There it might is, be man. some other
1: good swimmers, but right. there's only one Michael Phelps. Absolutely, man. Yeah, Phil Mickelson's pretty good, but he's not Tiger Woods. Right. And Alexander Ovechkin's nice, but he ain't no Sidney Crosby. But if you were to say right now, though, okay, so say we, take, we do the uh, classic. We're going to take, take him Mahomes away. I'm taking him away. All right. Who who would be the number two guy right
2: you now? You know what? I'm going to go with the the unpopular, the wild, uh, the wild pick. I'm going to go Shaquille Barrett. Ooh, I like Tampa that one. Tampa Bay, man. He's balling out 20 tackles, nine sacks right now. More than Khalil Mack, though. Uh, I mean, what does the number say?
1: The numbers say
2: Barrett. And and this is a numbers league, correct? That it is. Particularly, they, a lot of times when it comes to when these it comes awards. to the votes, yeah, they they don't go off of. Oh man, this is the guy because the name. They say, okay, whose numbers are and, better? And
1: you've got media from all over the country who vote on this. Absolutely. And let's be honest, it's not like they're watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? They just if, see the stats. If, if you're a uh, if you're a writer for the Minnesota Vikings, you're not right. watching all sixteen Tampa Bay <laughs> right. Buccaneers but when you games. see
2: twenty tackles, nine sacks in four games, you're saying, whoa, oh, wow, that's like guys can't get ten sacks in a season. Right. He's at nine of the four games. Like, wait a minute. And then you look at oh, he has some three-piece games, some two-piece games. Like, yeah. Now, if he keeps that trajectory up, you do the math on that.
1: What about two running backs and Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey?
2: Ooh.
1: Both doing it still without their starting Absolutely. quarterback. Absolutely.
2: And McCaffrey, man. He got uh, NFC Office Player of the Month as well. He did. Yeah, he's been balling out. I'm more of a Kamara guy personally.
1: I think I give Kamara a slight nod. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, I, I would go to that. I think that. both
1: of those guys, and listen, we know more than likely it's going to be a quarterback because that's, that's just. Yeah, as it much works. as I wanted to be
2: a pass rusher, it's going to be a quarterback. Yeah. Give it to Aaron Donald.
1: As much as we'd love to give it to Shaq Barrett or give it to Aaron Donald it, or whatever. Even Mack. when JJ
2: Watt should have wanted that one. You know, right. It's not happening, man. No
1: love for the defense, Mozzie.
2: Defense don't get no love.
1: That'll do it for today's show. That was fun you today. You know, give it to
2: Eli. Give it to,
1: give it to Eli. Daniel Jones.
2: Nah, bro. Eli made the sacrifice. <laughs>
1: Tomorrow on the show. Oh, man. Deep dive into Steelers, Ravens, into Armageddon Uh-oh. with Five Star Friday. Five and we'll also star. show me the money tomorrow to get on the, the program as well. Thanks to our guy, Brian Backo, for joining us. Thanks to our fearless leader. Fearless leader. Brian Lamartina for producing the program Whew. back at HQ. And thanks to everybody who chimed in Say on Twitter. Say that
2: last name two times fast. As
1: always. <laughs> We will talk the inns tomorrow. Same time, same place, high noon, as always, on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio.
0: This is where Steelers Nation plants its flag. SNR. Steelers Nation! Steelers Nation Radio.